This is the My Weight What to Know podcast, where we talk to medical experts about the latest research on weight management and how you can apply it to reaching your best weight. Tonight, we are talking with obesity management expert, Dr. Jyoti Manikar, about sleep apnea, how it can impact our weight, and why it's so important to treat. Dr. Manikar, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. So for people watching at home who maybe aren't familiar with the term sleep apnea, give us a quick definition. What is sleep apnea? So sleep apnea is nothing but pausing of breathing involuntarily for brief periods of time during sleep. So if you stop breathing, you're not getting the oxygen. When you don't get oxygen, your carbon dioxide goes up and your brain tends to wake you up to catch your breath. So a lot of these people tend to snore, pause, snore, pause, and that pausing is called apnea. So that's why we call it sleep apnea. So are there different types of sleep apnea we should be aware of? Absolutely. There are three different kinds of sleep apnea. One is called obstructive sleep apnea. By far, this is the most common, where there is mechanical obstruction, or we call it a hardware problem, meaning there is a lot of tissue around your neck, and when you sleep, your muscles in your neck are relaxed. When they're relaxed, the tissue tends to press on it, and your airway is pinched. So it's mechanical obstruction. So that's why the name obstructive sleep apnea. And in this type, most people tend to snore. There's central sleep apnea, the second type, where the brain's signaling you to breathe when you're asleep at night. And if there's faulty signaling, you don't breathe every single time, and you tend to pause. In this type of apnea episode, people generally do not snore. But they have the same symptoms where they wake up fatigued or may have headaches and irritability and so forth. And the worst case scenario is the third type having mixed, meaning both of them, central sleep apnea mixed with obstructive sleep apnea. So how common is sleep apnea? How many people are affected by it? It's one in 15 people, unfortunately, is affected by obstructive sleep apnea, which means about 18 million people in the United States have sleep apnea. In the worst cases, 80% of people do not even know that they have sleep apnea. So this is a very undiagnosed situation. There are a lot of people who have it, who are suffering with it, who don't know about it. Exactly. And a lot of people think snoring is just a cosmetic issue driving their partners out of the bedroom, but it's just not that. It actually lowers or decreases your life expectancy and increases diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and liver disease, erectile dysfunction. There are so many different side effects that happen from having sleep apnea. So it's really important that we want to get in front of this and figure out if this is what's happening. Absolutely. But as you gain weight, your risk does increase. For example, if you are a 150-pound person, gains about 10% of weight, which is 15 pounds, their, their chance of getting sleep apnea is about six times more. Wow. So mm-hmm. just 15 pounds of weight gain increases your risk for sleep apnea that much. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about what sleep apnea is, Dr. Manikar. Mm-hmm. How can someone figure out if it's something that they're struggling with? People with sleep apnea will have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. A lot of times they fall asleep and they're waking up frequently at night. And the excuse might be, I need to go to the bathroom. But when they pause breathing, like I said, their brain wakes them up to catch their breath. Sometimes family members or spouses might notice that they pause at night when they're sleeping and they're not breathing regularly. Or they may be gasping for air or maybe making some choking sounds. So those are some of the indicators that you want to look for. And some people also have anxiety, irritability, depression, trouble with focus at work. And when they're not able to focus, a lot of these kids or adults or adolescent kids might be diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. 
but really there could be a sleep problem or an apnea problem. So you said something interesting. You said people may think they're waking up for other reasons, like needing to go to the bathroom, but really it's the, the sleep apnea that's driving waking up frequently. So if we're aware that we're waking up, we're not sure why, sleep apnea might be a cause. Yes, definitely. That's something to look into. So we asked several people on our Facebook page what questions they had about sleep apnea. Diane says, I have diabetes and my numbers are great, but I'm tired all the time. Could that be sleep apnea? Definitely. I would tell Diane to check and see how her sleep pattern is. And if she's feeling tired during the day, it is important to look into sleep apnea because not all sleep apnea people snore. So if you're a non-snorer and you're not sleeping well, you wake up tired, you should also get a sleep study. Well, I'm so glad you said that because actually that was another question Gary was asking us, can you have sleep apnea if you don't snore? And what I hear you saying is absolutely. So even if our sleep partner is telling, not telling us, you know, you're snoring, it's still possible that sleep apnea is causing some fatigue that we're experiencing. Absolutely. If someone thinks that they might have sleep apnea, mm -hmm. what's the next step? What should they do? If you're suspecting you have sleep apnea, I think the best thing is to go talk to your primary care doctor. They might make a referral for you to see a sleep specialist, or you could make an appointment with a sleep specialist. They would evaluate you and then get a sleep study. It may be a home sleep study or an in-lab sleep study. And what, what happens in a sleep study? Are we being monitored to see how many times we wake up? Absolutely. So this sleep study test is basically meant to test for two things. One is to check our oxygen levels when we sleep. If your oxygen levels are dropping below 95, then we need to know where it is going down to, as well as it's going to monitor how many times we pause during nighttime, and that calculates what's called apnea-hypoapnea index. So that kind of helps us to measure how severe our sleep apnea is. If it's mild, moderate, severe, so it's going to tell us about that. And some people also, like I said, have mechanical obstruction due to their tonsils or adenoids. Those people might also consider an ENT consult if they need a surgical removal of tissue that would open up their airway so they can breathe better at night. So what I hear you saying is there are a lot of things that can be done. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a situation where, you know, we get the diagnosis and then it's kind of like good luck. Mm -hmm. um, once we get the diagnosis of sleep apnea, what might a doctor walk us through and, and have us do? Number one thing, they will check on your symptoms and how much it's impairing your lifestyle. If you have significant sleep apnea, where, like some, some patients tell me that I'm not able to lose weight, I'm doing all the right things, but I cannot lose weight. And sleep apnea is a perfect thing that will stop you from losing weight. Talk about a CPAP machine, because I know a lot of people with sleep apnea are mm -hmm. put on a, sleep pap, a CPAP machine. What can that do for us? CPAP has become the gold standard for treatment for sleep apnea, along with weight management. So CPAP machine, what it does, it's called continuous positive airway pressure meaning our airway is blocked, so with air pressure, we are trying to open up this airway so we can get more oxygen delivered to our lungs. So obviously, once we get used to this CPAP machine, you're increasing your oxygen levels, you're gonna feel well rested, you wake up not feeling tired. So those are the great benefits of CPAP. And some people like to use dental appliances that open up their jaw and open up their airway, and that could be a good option for some people who do not like CPAP machine. A lot of times I hear patients saying, I don't like to wear a CPAP machine. It feels very claustrophobic. I tell patients, you know, try to get used to it sitting and breathing with it during the daytime. 
and try to get used to it. Maybe use it for 30 minutes to an hour every day and try to get used to it. It might take about a month for most people to kind of get used to it, and then they can sleep with it throughout the night. So, But it's worth taking that time and really trying to get used to it because it really can make a big difference. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've seen when people successfully use their CPAP machine, they tell me that they have never slept like this before in years. And that's very rewarding to know that, okay, they are now finally getting a good night's sleep and they're not waking up tired. They don't forget 10 things every day that they need to do. And, so big uh, benefits. It is definitely big benefits. And they're able to lose weight. They have that energy to go to the gym. They have the energy to make a plan and they have the energy to go grocery shopping. So that actually leads me to my next question, which was, can sleep apnea cause weight gain? Can it, can it be one of those things that, that leads us to gain weight over time? And that's a very good question, Ansley, because sleep apnea creates that vicious cycle. You have sleep apnea, meaning you have pinched airway, less oxygen, you're more tired. And then when you're more tired, obviously, you are not going to do as much. So your metabolism goes down. When your metabolism goes down, you're going to gain weight. Even if you're eating the same amount of calories, it's easy to gain weight. And then when you keep gain weight, your sleep apnea further gets worse. If it gets worse again, you're going to, again, land up gaining weight. So it creates that, unfortunately, a vicious cycle. So that's why it's so important to go ahead, get diagnosed, get, start getting treatment for it, because you can break that cycle over time. Absolutely. And imagine if you're tired all the time and you want to grab something quickly, you're going to find for the convenience foods. You're not going to plan a meal or you're not going to prepare something or you're not going to go grocery shopping and you're not going to plan to go to the gym because you're tired. So you're going to sit around a lot. And when you sit and continue to use that lifestyle where you're sitting more than being active, then obviously your metabolism goes down, which means your ability to burn calories is going down. And more often that happens, more likely you're going to gain weight more tired you are, you tend to crave for things to give you that quick boost of energy. So obviously these people tend to grab something that is quick in energy boosting like sugars or simple carbs. And when you're tired, of course, your willpower goes out the window. So when you have patients who are treated for sleep apnea, do they come back to you saying like, I didn't realize all the different places sleep was affecting my life? A lot of times. A lot of people think, oh my God, I didn't even know. My blood pressure got better since I got the CPAP machine. Or they say, once I've lost weight and my sleep apnea went away, I don't even have to use my machine. They have definitely thought they had more energy. They did not think how depressed they were. And we have seen a lot of big link between depression and sleep apnea. And the depression went away, the crankiness went away. So that, that's definitely helpful. Partners definitely thank me for that. So if someone has been diagnosed with sleep apnea, you know, we've talked about getting a CPAP machine, what else can they do to, to manage it most effectively? It's very important for people to kind of understand that uh, sleep apnea happens mostly when you sleep on your back, when the muscles are kind of squeezed. So if you try to sleep on your side, it might reduce the pinching of the airway. It might reduce your sleep apnea. So try to sleep on your side. Try to raise the heads out of bed a little bit more. It might help. And then if you're drinking alcohol or using sedatives or tranquilizers, you may want to be careful about those because those relax your neck muscles further, causing more pinching in the airway, which further leads to sleep apnea. So I would kind of focus on those things along with, of course, weight management. And if you want to aggressively lose weight, think about managing with a CPAP machine temporarily at least until you lose weight. And then you could probably go off of it once you lose all the desired weight that you want to get off of. So you said losing even a small amount of weight can really decrease kind of sleep apnea. So it is possible that we could get off that CPAP Absolutely. machine with some weight loss. Absolutely. So we had several questions about CPAP machines. Bonnie asked us, are there some cases of mild sleep apnea that are made worse by using a CPAP machine? 
I haven't heard about that because CPAP machine is pr primarily opening up your airway and pushing air in. If you have mild, a lot of times the suggestion from sleep specialists is try to lose weight, it'll get better. And a lot of times that works. If it's mild and if you're able to push through and work on your diet and exercise and maybe use medications if you need to for weight loss, and then you may not need to use a CPAP machine. But if you need to use it, go ahead and use it. It's not going to make it worse. Good to know. Darlene asks, if you lose weight, do you need to get your CPAP machine refitted? A lot of times they do, because when you lose a lot of weight, you might need fitting change on your mask, or sometimes even titration of the air pressure. Now, in the past, we had more like stringent um, air pressure machines, but now we have autopaps, meaning they automatically adjust pressure to your airway resistance. So a lot of times you may not need that tweaking that we used to need before. So recent studies have shown that improving our sleep can result in weight loss just in and of itself. Any suggestions for improving sleep? Any, any things you share with your patients? That's a very good question because I get that question every day almost because sleep is such an important factor. And when you don't sleep, that's when you know that's hard. So for sleep, it's important to kind of exercise every day. That helps a ton to release your endorphins and feel good during the day. And then you can settle down and sleep at night. Number two is a good sleep hygiene, meaning going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, helps to set your melatonin hormone and the cortisol in the right way. That way you have cortisol in the morning and the daytime. And then as you kind of wind down in the evening, your melatonin starts going up and you fall asleep. But if you're one of those shift workers who sleeps randomly, they're gonna have a hard time with your hormones. One other thing that happens with adolescents, especially with school and college, they tend to not sleep until 2 a.m. in the morning doing schoolwork, or some of them are on their computers. So what happens is that decreases their melatonin a lot, and eventually they may have trouble falling asleep later on. And with a lot of that blue light exposure too from the screens, it does affect or decrease the melatonin, which further interferes with sleep. An hour before bedtime is a good time to get off the screen, so it'll give your mind to kind of, you know, reset itself a little bit and start winding down to go to bed. One other thing is a lot of people tend to eat late at night and that can also slow down your melatonin because melatonin production starts happening as the light goes down. And if you're late eaters, our cortisol is still up trying to digest food and that might interfere with sleep too. So usually I say finish your food or your meal by between five and six, that way you're not eating late at night and allowing that melatonin to function. So is there a person you've worked with with sleep apnea where getting a CPAP machine or doing some lifestyle changes has really made a big difference for them and their quality of life? Sure, I just saw a patient, his name was Todd. He was a school principal. He came to me a few months ago when he came in for a complete annual physical. When I was examining him, I noticed that his airway was very narrow. So I asked him, hey Todd, how do you sleep? And he says, I, it's okay, I guess. And I asked him whether he felt well rested when he woke up in the morning. He said, not really. He's been sleeping light all his life, and that's nothing new for him. And then his wife jumps in and says, by the way, he snores like a freight train, and I don't even sleep with him in the bed anymore. And that brought me to the conclusion that he possibly has obstructive sleep apnea. So I asked them to get a sleep study. And he was very open and willing, which made it easier. I showed him a couple pictures, explained to him what apnea was and all that stuff. And he went ahead and got the study. And the study showed that he had paused more than 70 times at night. And his oxygen had dropped to 88, which was the lowest. And that certainly can make anybody tired.
And it took Todd about a month to use a CPAP machine and get used to it. And when he came back for follow-up in three months, he was like a new person, all energetic. He had lost 10 pounds. He said that, I've never slept like this in my life before. So I got my sleep back. And his wife said she was back in the bedroom with him. <laughs> oh, what a happy story. That's such a good, good, such a good inspiration for people to go talk to their doctor if it's something they think they might be experiencing. Any last words you have, anything you, you want the audience to know about sleep apnea? I think it's a, good, um, it's a good place to review just what sleep apnea is. Apnea is nothing but pausing of breathing during night. It can be due to obstruction or due to the brain signals. Most common thing is obstruction. So if your neck circumference is greater than 16 inches in females or greater than 17 inches in male, they should consider getting a sleep study. Also, if you tend to have high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, or if you have weight issues that you're not able to lose weight, think about talking to your doctor about possible sleep apnea. There's Malampati score that we can use to check and see if your oral cavity is narrow. A simple thing that you could do is take a phone, your smartphone, open your mouth, take a picture. And if you see that your airway looks narrow, talk to your doctor about it. And lastly, try to avoid things which will relax your muscles in the night, like tranquilizers, alcohol, or sedatives that'll kind of further relax the muscles and the tissue, causing more airway obstruction. I think those are all great suggestions. Last question for you, which is something we ask every physician we speak to. What is the number one thing you wish people knew about weight loss and weight management? Usually I say weight loss journey is a long journey usually. It's a lifestyle, it takes time, and do not be discouraged. It is not easy, but it's not impossible either. But if you have some barriers, I think you should be able to talk to a pediatrician or an obesity medicine specialist. Don't shy away. Like everything else, obesity is a medical condition where people need help. So like we have blood pressure, diabetes, and we need to go to the doctor to have them managed, obesity, overweight, or any of these conditions that cause weight gain are important to be addressed by a physician. So don't shy away. Please go see your physician, and that should be very helpful. And also there are certain medications that make people to gain weight. And if that's something that you're taking, maybe there may be a better option for you. Or if there's not an option, they could add something to make it better. So I highly encourage you to see a physician. That's wonderful. Dr. Manakar, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been such an illuminating conversation. Thank you for having me.